So I decided I would stay around the farmhouse and help the wives who were tending the kids, preparing the meals, and doing the various farm chores in the barns and sheds on the property. I knew this would really boost my language learning curve, uh, as long as I didn't pick up some baby talk along the way and take that with me to university. But I wasn't expecting the cultural lesson that I got along the way. And here's what I didn't expect. A really vivid lesson about one stark contrast between American and Norwegian cultures, sort of the underlying societal values. I am the only person to have walked in space and gone to the deepest point in the ocean. Hi, I'm Kathy Sullivan, and I'm an explorer. Exploring doesn't always have to involve going to some remote or exotic place. It simply requires your commitment to put curiosity into action. So join me on this podcast journey as I reflect on lessons learned from life so far and from my brilliant and ever inquisitive guests. We'll explore together in this very moment from right where you are. Spaceship not required. Welcome to Kathy Sullivan Explores. Before we take off, I have a gift for you. I believe that no matter where you are today, an active thirst for knowledge will help unlock your ability to live a life of meaning and happiness. So I'm sharing some lessons I've learned on my road less traveled. Over at kathysullivanexplores.com, you'll find my seven astronaut tips to improving your life on Earth. When you sign up, I'll send them to you and also make sure you're the first to discover future podcast episodes and learn more about exciting adventures ahead. Just head on over to kathysullivanexplores.com. I started dreaming of living abroad when I was about 12 years old. And I figured my method of doing that would be to go to college at a university that had a junior year abroad program. So I wouldn't just go visit. I'd actually get to go live in a country for a full year. And as I got closer to that milestone in college, the country that really captured my attention was Norway. I remembered reading a book called Snow Treasure as a little girl. This was a, a kid's story, fictional, about plucky Norwegian kids who hid gold and other things in their sleds and snuck it past Nazi guards. And you know the spirit, the pizzazz, uh, the grit of those little kids just kind of stuck with me. And the background that the book painted of Norway as a country and the people there really, really stayed with me. Plus, Norway would have geology unlike anything we would see in California, from super ancient rocks that don't exist in that part of the United States, to really spectacular glacial terrains. And the university in question, the University in Bergen, had a very strong ocean science program, which was clearly where my interests were starting to line up. On top of all of that, I would get to learn yet another language via an immersive summer program in-country. That would start with four weeks in Oslo, learning with two different instructors, and then living on a small farm in the center of the country near the summer cabin of one of our teachers named Anna. There's a real advantage for the farm family that hosted us, of course. They would get 10 young, healthy students to serve as extra labor for the hard work of the haying season. This little farm was run cooperatively by three families, and so the household before we arrived was something like six adults and I think there were four or five very young kids, preschool to early grade school years. And after a day or two there, I noticed my fellow students 
when we went out in the field to start working with Anders, the farmer. As soon as they were away from Anders, they switched to the comfort of English and spent the whole day in their native language. Well, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to get really immersed and get good at speaking Norwegian. So I decided I would stay around the farmhouse and help the wives who were tending the kids, preparing the meals, and doing the various farm chores in the barns and sheds on the property. I knew this would really boost my language learning curve, uh, as long as I didn't pick up some baby talk along the way and take that with me to university. But I wasn't expecting the cultural lesson that I got along the way. And here's what I didn't expect. A really vivid lesson about one stark contrast between American and Norwegian cultures, sort of the underlying societal values. My big learning moment came at one of our midday meals. Midday meal, 12 or 1 o'clock, is usually the biggest meal on a Norwegian farm, breaking the day up for a bit of rest and feeding everybody something hearty to fuel their afternoon work. The meal on this modest farm typically consisted of a large pot of gravy with some fairly meager amounts of meat in it, plus some potatoes, maybe some carrots, and you know some bread from our Sunday baking spree. As the women and I were finishing setting up for the meal one day, I heard them talking about the behavior of our group of students when they came back to the house for a meal. They were appalled that the three strapping boys in our group always pressed to be first in line and heaped their plates so full that there was often no meat left in the pot by the time the women and kids were to be served. Now, my American colleagues, I think, were utterly unaware. They were just carefree young kids on a great adventure in a foreign country, displaying behavior that's pretty normal for an American kid who's accustomed to having an all-you-can-eat meal plan at their university dining hall. But it was absolutely shocking to my Norwegian hosts. And I really hadn't noticed the behavior till they pointed it out that day. And sure enough, it's exactly what happened at the next meal. Why was it so incomprehensible to the Norwegian women? In a nutshell, in Norway, everyone is more mindful and generally more considerate of all the others in a group, a household, a community, whatever. It would go without saying that the people who were doing the hardest work would get in line first or be served first. Equally go without saying that they would need a, a goodly serving. But those hardy, hardworking people, if they were first in line, they would also care that the last person in line also got a decent serving. And when it came to seconds, if there's anything left in the pot after everyone had had a serving, well, those, of course, would be reserved for the folks that were going back out into the field because they would need the extra fuel, the extra energy. That was just very different than the way we were wired to think of things as Americans. Just starkly different social norms, both deeply rooted in culture and history, and I'm not intending to blame or lionize either one of them. But if you want to condense it, you know, we talk a lot in the United States about the frontier mentality and the rugged individualism you see this in the writings of Frederick Jackson Turner and countless American movies that you know, idolize the strong hero on some frontier. In Norway, the focus is much more on the group, the community. And this is actually enshrined in a set of social principles known as the Jantelov, which means Janta's law. 
It comes from a novel by Norwegian author Axel Sandemon about the social codes in a small town called Yangta. And to give you my summary of it, Norwegians like not having a huge class divide. They like there to not be stark, stark distances and differences between the haves and the have-nots. It makes them feel like the world is a fairer place when things are shared between everyone. The concept goes back and touches a bit on an even older idea called lagom, which comes from the old Norse word lagetom, meaning around the group. And it gets at sharing what you have so that there is enough for everyone. This creates a balance between everybody. It means everyone's sort of on a level playing field, and it makes Norwegians very content in their daily lives. It's how they preserve harmony and social stability to some degree. And it has existed for many years, even before it was written down, because you can find it in old sayings, such as the Swedish proverb, that noble deeds are done in silence. The antelope is not something that's imposed formally or policed. It sits inside every family, every workplace, every school, every person. It's ingrained in Norwegians from a young age to varying degrees, and it's just simply part of the Scandinavian way of life. Most people don't spend any time questioning its existence. It's decidedly not about knocking down the tall puppy, the person who dares to stand out from the rest. It just boils down to the simple point that if we're all going to live together in harmony, we need to consider each other's feelings. That was the simple but profound lesson I learned over a stew pot. It taught me something fundamental about Norwegian culture and the social ethos. It made me more self-aware, more observant of my own behaviors, and got me more in tune with the country I would live in for the next year and a half. And in a lot of ways, I think it's had a bigger impact on my worldview than even my view at the space shuttle window. You know, we all live in bubbles of one sort or another, usually without being aware of them. And you have to get out of them to really get to know, to understand new people, places, or cultures. What I love most about traveling is exactly that, trying to merge as much as I can into the new place, to feel what it's like, understand where the people are coming from. I guess it's kind of like putting on a costume and trying to really inhabit that new character. It's a challenge to get yourself out of your ruts, your habits, and your self-conception. So keep your eye out for a chance when you can pop your bubble and get some new perspective on the people and places around you. Thanks so much for joining me on today's mission. For more solo shows and deep dives with incredible guests, along with all the ways to get the podcast and much more, head over to kathysullivanexplores.com.